And here we are, Motorhead Monthly in lockdown for the second time. Did we only do one other one before this in lockdown? We have done one over over Skype, and I can't remember what it was. It wasn't We Are Motorhead. It might have been Snakebite Love. Hold well, on, I can't remember now. I'm sure we have done one in lockdown. Well, oh, we, we did, did the interview. We did the interview with Tim. Yeah. We did the interview with Tim, and we did the Cascade of Chaos review. Yes, okay. Well, the thing is, people of the world, we are in lockdown, uh, and we didn't want to do the next album because I like sitting down and listening to the album. It's more of a communal experience as well as, and also, you know, my uh, I'm waiting for a better vinyl player. So we're going to do some two quick little ones for the rest of the year, and then 2021, we'll go back to the albums. That sounds fair, doesn't it, man? Yeah, it does. I'm hoping the environment will let us do that. Um <laughs> We'll have to see. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to be optimistic about it. The point is, this month we're going to be talking about a kind of a segue in topic because we're talking about the Motorhead WWE relationship, which is going to be introduced with the next album. But to be fair, they would have recorded the song that's on Hammered before Hammered came out. So, yeah, chronologically, we're in a good place. Yeah, we're we're bang on, I think. Because which year was X Seven supposedly the best one? Two thousand one. So we are we are bang on, as when the first Triple H, uh, Motorhead song would have been. Yeah. Are we calling well, it released? There's a, there's a there's a whole weird history behind this as well. So before we get this ball rolling, it's already on its way down the hill. I just want to say to people that aren't uh, people that aren't interested in wrestling. I get you. Don't worry about it. We're not going to talk about wrestling. We're going to talk about music's involvement in wrestling, specifically the metal genre, okay? I'm happy with that. So we're not talking about Jeff Jarrett and Rockabilly and uh, the Honky Tonk Man. (laughs) Well, you know know what? In my uh, lifelong research of this and research that I've done today, you know what's really interesting? There's one band that have been in WCW, ECW, and WWF, as performers and wrestlers, as performers and wrestlers, I can guess yeah. who this is. I this is ICP, isn't it? It's the ICP man. Yeah, there there are some wrestlers that have been going for years that I never did the, the big three companies, but the ICP did. Unbelievable. Yeah, they have their own wrestling promotion now. Apparently, they were trained as wrestlers before they became rappers. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting little side story, isn't it? I've heard about JCW, but it's not. It's not something I've ever been interested. <laughs> I don't know because I've heard uh, like podcast wrestler podcasts where they talk about like how you think it's going to be like full of the weirdest fucking people, and it is. But it's also like a really cool atmosphere and stuff. But anyway, let's not talk about the ICP. <laughs> let's yeah, talk yeah, about please, please not. <laughs> the Rock and Wrestling Connection is how uh, wrestling became mainstream. Yeah, that. But the Rock and Wrestling Connection. Is just uh, they say it's MTV and WWF, but it's actually just like uh, Cindy Lauper. Yeah, I was gonna say this is Cindy Lauper and Hulk Hogan, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So there's no really rock and roll to it. No, it's not really. Um... They, they were trying to like market them as like the musical duo, but like the the first few music releases from WWF are terrible. terrible. <laughs> like the albums they put <laughs> like out, the that, like Jimmy Hart, Hart wrote songs for. Songs for. Is this Pile Driver by any yeah, chance? Pile Driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
fucking terrible. There's, there's some absolute garbage on that. It's like when football teams started putting albums, like releasing singles and stuff. What's the Strike Force song? Is it girl like girls and cars or something? Girls in cars. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and Jimmy Hart's like a music quote producer, so they let him have a song, and it was called "Eat Your Heart Out, Rick Springfield." It was about him trying to take a girl out, but she wanted to go to the Rick Springfield concert instead, which is just weird because in my head, Jimmy Hart's been like sixty forever. You know what I mean? He never he ages. He was he was an old man when I was dead young, and he's still going now, and he looks exactly the same. Have his have his jackets got any quieter? <laughs> no. Oh Jesus! I mean, like as a KG thought, like oh, so cool, and then you like look back on like, especially like new gen and Hulkamania, and you're like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> really? It is pure cringe. So, like, the early WrestleManias, Rock and Wrestling Connection, Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, Cindy Lauper, all that taken on. I was trying to figure who it was at the time. Was it Would it have been, like, Piper and uh, Mr. Wonderful and, and people like that? Yeah, Piper, man. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania 3, though, uh, they got Alice Cooper involved, but... They just couldn't afford to get him to sing. I don't think at the time. It's unbelievable some of the some of the things from the from this company. I mean, it's WWE or WWF are unbelievable. Like, obviously, we won't go into too much of it, but like, I watch a lot of OSW yeah. from the Hulkamania era who just ripped the shit out of this type of stuff. And it's like being able to afford people, but not being able to afford for them to do anything for like. Yeah various insurance purposes so yeah we want celebrities to get involved in the action but they can't wrestle because <laughs> yeah they can't they can't take anything or hit anyone just in case and then what what's weird is we get to 1995 which you think is still gonna it it is still like the jog wrestling era because it's like king mabel and diesel and all that like these guys who were losing a lot of money at the time but it is also the WWF Full Metal album, which has all the theme tunes of these total losers on it. But it also has the Thorn in Your Eye tune, which became the uh, the th- the Raw theme tune. But you know who who made up the band that they got to record this though? Was it like was it Jim Johnson involved? Because I know he did a lot of the wrestling themes. He, let's have a look. See, it doesn't say the writer credit for it, but he probably did because he did write. Uh, the the bowhead songs as well actually oh did he but the this yeah this is where the the slam jam members are uh scott ian kenny hickey from typo negative uh drums from tim mar from overkill and the vocals were by john john oliver john Oliver of uh of savage sabotage hmm Interesting lineup because this this would have been when they were very much trying to change the image from being sort of a kid family friendly to going into this PG thirteen mm-hmm. era and being for for teens probably because of the likes of how ECW and and some of the promotions were trying to be more edgy as it were uh, to try and appeal to that market and I suppose part of that is you know you don't. A teen's really gonna like angry teens really gonna listen wanna listen to da, 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 da. <laughs> in real American stuff, so, yeah. 
totally see like why they why there was that shift there. It gets better because then 1998, uh, volume three was qualified as heavy metal music in the genre CD department, but it was only the only band on it. The guest star were ICP. <laughs> now we move on. We skip ahead a few years. We get to 1999, and it's like okay, lads, it's time to invest in music now. So WCW. The first thing they do is they get on the phone to Jerry Only and they say, uh, we've got this lad here, Vampiro, who really likes the Misfits. Do you want to come come do a few shows? And the, the Misfits, who are on the tour, on tour with Guar at the time, they were like, if you can make it work around our schedule, we'll come and do a few shows. And Jerry Only ends up wrestling a few matches. Nice. Just getting his shit kicked out of him by Dr. Death. And then, <laughs> and then typical WCW fashion, right? Stay with me here. They realise that Jerry only owns all the the logo, uh, you know, copyrights and stuff. So in order for them to make more money, they need to segue Jerry only out of it and replace him as the frontman of this band, which is the Michael Graves era at this point with Vampiro. So I don't know how they thought this was going to work. They just must have thought that Jerry <laughs> only was the singer, and no one told them otherwise. But like they started booking the rest of the Misfits without Jerry only to be, to on, be WCW on WCW shows. <laughs> Yeah, but they didn't tell him. And then Jerry only found out. And he's like, stop that or I'll sue you. And they said, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Did they stop it or was it just, they fine, stopped... sue us? No, no, they stopped it. Apparently, according to an interview with Jerry only, he's the, uh, it was like an hour before they were scheduled to go out with him. Like the, his lawyer got in contact with WCW and said, nah, lad, not going to happen. 1999, they were trying hard, though, right? In the same vein of this, people of the internet, and Matt, I just found this out today. I can't believe I didn't know this. 1999, right? Kiss play live on WCW. F- fun fact, it was the lowest rated segment in WCW history. <laughs> but there was... This but, this includes things like... This includes Buff Bugwell's mother on a on a forklift match. <laughs> yeah, for, again, for non-wrestling fans, Buff Bagwell is kind of just... Like he's he's just a a muscle guy who's like quite yes. arrogant and things, and so they had a match where his mother was suspended on a forklift, and usually with things on a pole or on a forklift <laughs> match, you get to you get to use it as a weapon. So did they use Judy Badwell as a weapon, oh, God, or no. did just the winner of the match get to keep Judy Badwell? <laughs> or, oh, it's ridiculous. So speaking of ridiculous, uh, WCW come up with a deal with, you know what the lads in Kiss are like, they'll sell the rights to license the lights to anyone for enough. They were going to invent a wrestling... I'm quite surprised gonna... on that. <laughs> no, you're not. Because like, you, <laughs> no, you never see Kiss selling out or trying to yeah. trademark things that shouldn't be trademarked. WCW licensed a Kiss wrestling persona called The Demon. So it was a wrestler who would wear Kiss paint. And the idea was there was going to be he was going to be the first of a faction of Kiss wrestlers, so there was probably going to be like a Space Cat wrestler. <laughs> but the first segment did so bad they were like, "Why are we paying money to paint someone's face like Gene Simmons?" Just ridiculous, like because because surely like just from like a business perspective because I've I've sort of realised this sort of recently where a lot of bands are kind of like they are left wing basically like they're Mm -hmm. quite liberal like there's very few especially hard alternative rock bands who are right wing or republican but obviously the wrestling business 
is very staunch Republican, like yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump's good friends with Vince McMahon and everything. So, you know, it's, I was racking my brains for ages trying to think, like, why is it seen as that the two have never been compatible when they seem <laughs> to fit together so well? And it's like, that's fucking People why. People understand what they're buying. Like, oh, the kids like that. Let's get them and It's synergy. Oh, speaking of synergy, we also got to mention 1999 WCW Megadeth. Megadeth uh, were... Goldberg's favorite band, so Goldberg demanded he have a Megadeth theme tune, and he was also in a movie at the time, Universal Soldier: The Return. So he was like, "I also want Megadeth to play the theme tune for this movie." So Dave Megadeth Bustain was like, "I'll just write one song." Oh, it was like Crushing, wasn't it? Oh, Crushing, yeah, yeah. That's. It. I mean, I, I'm big Megadeth fan, but I don't think I've ever sat down and listened to Risk all the way through. I may have done once. I've like I've listened to like two songs of it, and it's like I hate this album. <laughs> Can't stand it. And this comes this comes from like someone who likes World Needs a Hero. I know uh, what's the other one they did recently, Super Collider, recently, yeah. like six years ago. And it's like I thought it was alright, <laughs> and then like Risk, no, will not listen. <laughs> well, that was a different company that went under the next year, but. 2000, the WWE starting to get more aggressive with their music with the aggressive uh, CD, which was just like rap. They were trying to get that like market from that. But this is also around the same time where Triple H is rising to prominence as the top heel, quote-unquote, in the business. Heel means bad guy, by the way. And he says, I think I need some new music. I want Motorhead to do it. Well, he probably said, I want, Mel- I want Metallica to do it, but they just couldn't afford it. It's weird. Well... <laughs> say because there's right and wrong way of doing it isn't it there's like the wwe slash f way where you approach the um the and ask them to do a theme song or, or whatever and then there's the ecw way of just just play it and see if we get away yeah. with it you apologize <laughs> yeah. Later. yeah forgiveness not, yeah, yeah it's better to ask for forgiveness <laughs> than to seek permission so in 2000 2001 uh they approach Motorhead and Lemmy is just like, yeah, fine, whatever. And thus begins the beginning of a surprisingly beautiful friendship because Lemmy and Triple H were good mates. Yeah. I mean, you could, I was watching around this time and like, this is when Triple H starts putting the Iron Cross on his, on his gear and yep. things like that. And you start to see sort of parallels between the iconography of both groups and everything. Makes sense, although doesn't seem a very heelish or bad guy thing to have like motorheads <laughs> doing your theme do you know what i mean it's like you you do this is we'll get into this but like when you have like the band doing your entrance like at your live show you're obviously wanting the crowd to yeah. cheer for the music <laughs> but cheer for the band but like you have to boo like the rest <laughs> it, oh, I'm so mean... confused <laughs> To be fair, like Motorhead played live for WE once that I can recall, and it was the two thousand twice. And... Well, okay, so two thousand one was the first one where it's because that's the uh, handlebarless Lemmy period, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and that was a pretty bad rendition of the game at WrestleMania. That would be WrestleMania seventeen. Yeah. And then I think it's 21 they played it at as well, which apparently is equally as bad as well. I think I've only seen one of them, but um, both of them are awful. And uh, spoilers, uh, Triple H loses both of them. <laughs> so, like, why, again, why have you got, like, 
quite a popular band to do an entrance theme and then the wrestler is it just because that like you didn't want to have to pay Lemmy twice in one night or something? It's like, yeah, if if he loses, we only have to pay them once. I don't even know why Lemmy agreed to do it because he doesn't get songwriting rights. But let's let's be honest, like that's how I got into Motorhead from watching wrestling. Like I don't watch WE anymore. I'm an AEW guy. Uh, like I, like I heard that theme and I hate Triple H. I always hated him. I still I hated him then. <laughs> But I was like, this is a fucking banging tune. And that's what got me into Motorhead. I suppose it's... So it it's, worked. So it, it worked. It's the sign of a good heel, isn't it? Because, like, you hate him. Like, surely that's good. No. I, I didn't lo- I didn't love to hate him. I just hate him. His <laughs> promos were so long and boring. And his matches, he did three moves in. But the point, the point is, like, I... I'm pretty sure that if you tracked the Motorhead sales, they they would have spiked up a bit after this because, you know, there were a lot more younger people coming to the shows then, like after that. Yeah, I mean, I've known people. I know we spoke to to Smell um, from Segregate, and he hates <laughs> um, the um, the WWE songs if I remember because he was like, oh, this is stupid because like. They're all they're all just like sound bites. <laughs> they're all like they don't sound like Motorhead songs apart from the fact that Lemmy's vocals are on them. Because this is the thing about WE. This is the thing about Red. This is the thing about entrance music. Like it's made to be like a loop that you can play over and over again for as long as you need it to be. That's why the 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 driving rhythm of the the, the game is so good. It's like da 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 do da da da. Da, da, da. You can just do that over and over again as long as you need it. Yeah, but then listen to it as a song. I mean, it says something that I don't... F- the only appearance or live appearances I know of this song are at the two WrestleManias. I'm not aware of Motorhead playing these live at any shows at all. Uh, I don't think they should. or they. <laughs> I don't think they wanted to either. But they, they knew that, that that's what got some people in the door. And I I want to go on record here, say so I don't think it's a bad song. It might be just be my emotional attachment to it, but you know, it's all about the game and how you play it, all about control and if you can take it. It's it knows what it's trying to do there. You'd you'd think that you think that Lemmy would have written that. Um, like if if you hadn't told me that the lyrics were written by Jim Johnson, I would have assumed that was that was penned by Motorhead. Mm. Just like we need. We need something that, in effect, is not not a full song, but in in effect, like a thirty second snippet. We just need like a verse and a chorus, and I could imagine that he would have put like something like that together. So, well done to Jim Johnson because he talented guy in terms of being yeah, yeah. able to do like all the themes he did like across lots of different characters and make it Jim having to 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 have knowledge of those various genres to make it work and mm-hmm. played all the instruments in those songs as well aren't you? i mean there's there's a lot of good stuff from that time i mean it's one of those like probably looking back for a, for a with rose tinted glasses but all the themes were cool but if you go back and sort of listen to them it's like on an album especially you're not getting 10 tracks and like 50 minutes of <laughs> of good music you're probably getting 10 tracks and probably about half an hour worth of actual mm. music because that's all it is. Yeah. So, yeah. do we want to listen to uh, to the first of the trilogy, the game? I think, I think we should. I think cause, just because I like it so. Time to break the game. Time to break 
Like he's obviously studied how Lemmy would write a song when writing that song. Yeah, it's in terms of like the music and and the lyrics, the lyrics especially. Like some of them are, some of them are good. I do have a few criticisms. I'm afraid. Oh no! <laughs> do you want me to go through them? Please. My main issue with it is that, in effect, the full version of the song is like three and a half minutes. In terms of content, it's probably about a minute and a half tops. <laughs> brilliant for a wrestling theme because you're out in that minute and a half two minutes and then you're ready to go and same at the end <clears throat> the issue is it keeps it overstates its welcome but like lyrics are brilliant right up until that first breakdown and then it, it kind of goes for me and then obvious one <laughs> when they get into sort of the end of the song it's like play the game you're gonna be the same you're gonna change your name. <laughs> and it's like yeah, the rhymes there. To, that's, to... that's that's where Lemmy went wrong in the live version. He forgot what the rhymes were, so he was just going for the nearest rhyme to it. So instead of play the game, you're going to be insane. You're going to change your name. It was like play the game. You're going to play the game. You're going to be the same. You're going to know the name. <laughs> Awful, but on its own as a, a little thing to listen to, I, I've got no problem with it. Yeah, the first minute and a half, great. Like I, I forgot about the um. Because everyone just says, it's, it's the game, the game, the game bits. But then there's a look over your shoulder, ready to run like a good little bitch from a smoking gun. And like that, that bit is actually like really good. I mean, it is just your general rhyming couplets and everything, like really yeah. basic, but it really changes up the song because I just have memories of the da-da-dun, 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 da-da-dun. And <laughs> as all right as that is, it just changes up. And you think like, hold on, there, there is like a song in there. They could... If they wanted, it made this like just it could have gone on an album if they'd have taken that first minute and a half, sort <laughs> sort sorted out a second and a third verse, and it probably could have gone on an album. For as it is at the minute for me, it's just there's not enough content in there. It's like it's half finished, but it's a weird half finished because usually a half finished song is it's all there and then there's bits and pieces need improving everywhere. This feels like it's written start to finish. Like it's almost like you write in the first 10 seconds and then the second 10 seconds and you're like that. And then you get yeah. up to halfway through. So ah, fuck it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's my thing of it. Great intro portion, but it just gets stale after that. There's some good guitar on it as well. Like this is like the full motor headband. So this is Phil playing. I was going to say, is it, is it Phil on there? Cause yeah. I wasn't too sure if yeah. they would have just got Lemmy in to do the vocals. Uh, no, because uh, there is like video of them recording it. They're getting some god awful tiny crawl and respot, like, tiny crawl of a space. Like the, I think they treated them better when they 
when we went back to do the other ones, but yeah, this this did you have this as the bonus track on the the hammered CD? I didn't. I didn't have the CD. I've only got the LP, and it's not on there. But it would have been interesting to see how the rights works for it. Yeah, they must have given them a favor. This is when they started accrediting WE and the thank you notes in every album. Like even in the albums after this, yeah, where there's yeah. no theme music's on, they still thank uh, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, well, I mean. They must thank him anyway because he's on Serial Killer. Oh, he is. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Triple H on that album. Well, <laughs> one song and the bonus track if you got the CD version. That's still too much for me. But anyway, uh, moving on from the from the game, it goes. Which, by the way, the game was also on the Forcible Entry CD, which was the new metal WWE music CD. We're in WWE territory now, so this is a. Also, the time when Limp Biscuit shows up, and Limp Biscuit start becoming like the go-to band for all things WE because two thousand two was very new metal people. It was here. It's starting to go. I've I've got to admit, I was a fan at the time, but oh, just again looking back, just oh, why, why? Comparing the Undertaker like some old fella on a bike with the Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Someone pointed this out recently. It's probably OSW again because he's been watching that much of it. And it's like a guy who's like hitting like 45 going out to roll it. And it's like, and it, it, it's like, this is like, it's not, oh, it's American Badass Undertaker. It's like, this is midlife crisis, Mark. <laughs> That's exactly what it was, though. He was like, I need something young to make me relevant. Hey, all these kids with their backward hats and baggy pants, they like Limp Bizkit. I'll get Limp Biscuit to sing me a song. Oh, Kid Rock beforehand, wasn't it? Oh, was it Kid Rock in the... Yeah. yeah. Oh. Not my notes, because I hate him so much. <laughs> so, which which is the next one? Because I know there's two, there's two 2003 more. is when it was recorded, but it was released in 2004. It's Lying in the Sand. So, let me set the settings for you, people who were doing better things with their life than watching wrestling when they were in 2004. I'd stopped by this point. Yeah. I wish I had, but unfortunately I did not because I had nothing else to do. Uh, Triple H, who was a badass biker character for a bit when he was, uh, you know, the game, is now a man who wears a suit and hangs out with other people who wear suits. And the idea of his group was that they were the evolution of the business. So they had Ric Flair there, who was old school wrestling. They had Triple H, who was the now. And then they had uh, Randy Orton, and some other fella who no one thought anything much about apart from, hey, he's a big chunk of a dude. Let's get him to be a wrestler by the name of Dave Batista. So in terms of evolution, they're like the the evolution of the business. They're the, mm-hmm. the like next they're the future, the next step of the business. So they like I assume they're heel because Oh yeah, big oh, time. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. So and they all wear suits and stuff. And they talk about how, how how good it is to be like a rich man who's like you know professional dude. So you think why the fuck have you got a motorhead theme tune then? Because those things don't gel well with me. And the result, this is like my least favorite of the three. To be fair. All right. So shall we put it on and have a listen? Yeah, I'm gonna need to refamiliarize myself with this because it's not one I listen to. Motorhead, Lion in the Sand, it's called, not Evolution, Lion in the Sand. Lion in the 
Nice. So, line uh, and uh, let me let me say two things. First thing, like the first verse of that in two parts is really interesting because the first bit, evolution is a mystery full of change that no one sees. Clock makes a fool of history. I like it. It's brilliant. It's concise. Creates all the imagery. It tells you what the song's about. The second part. Yesterday so long ago, don't agree with what I know. Tomorrow, got no place to be. What the fuck does that mean? It's nonsense. Yesterday <laughs> so long ago, don't agree with what I know. That's bullshit. That's like green eggs and ham. <laughs> That's terrible. But the first part of it's so I good. admit, like, at the free, I think this is my favourite. Really? Yeah. I like the, the, the chorus. It's really good. I see the line in the sand. Time to find out who I am. And the bass is really good as well. There's like more like the like the slow stuff. Like you get on like you better run. They're allowed the rest of it. Ugh. To me, they're allowed to be motorheads on this. The first yeah. song is very much. Mm, yeah, that's that's a good point. You, this is the way the song needs to go and everything. I don't know if motorhead have had more input with this, but this feels like a, more of a motorhead song, and it feels like a, a more well-rounded song. I mean. You've mentioned the lyrics being bollocks, um, <laughs> but there's there's worse um, filler tracks on albums for yeah, this time. Like I'd, I'd happily swap yeah, that's true. some out and have this in. This, it, as you say, there's more there's more going on with the guitar. Phil does some nice fills in between things. Lemmy's got some nice bass runs. We've got a proper solo in there. As I say, the the only thing that's really missing is like an outro verse or something, but. In terms of a song, mm. start to finish, it is very much a song. I mean, I'm not keen on the outro because it, it's got this nice groove all the way through and then they change it up in like the last 30 seconds. It's dun dun. And it, it kind of just ruins the the smooth groove of the rest of the song. So I'm not I'm not keen on that bit. And as you say, like some of the lyrics, I'm, uh, some of them aren't great. <laughs> but um, in terms of a song and just being able to put it on, switch off and listen to it yeah i like it are you not incredibly annoyed by the fact there's a little ticking clock in the whole thing i was gonna mention that i thought yeah. it was quite cool um because obviously that's the intro and then it sort of acts as the metronome for the solo so i was i was quite liking that um but i can see how it, it would be annoying after you've noticed it because it would be all you could hear yeah <laughs> it's like the first time i've sat and listened to this properly and i've noticed that and like how have i never noticed that before it's two different opinions, but I definitely see your point of view now that you've spelled it out for me. Yeah, for for me, it just it just flows better than the other two because the other two, I just think of the it's all about the game and are you playing? Like I I forget that that sort of <clears throat> that pre-chorus that's in there of the first song, and all I can remember from King of Kings is bow down to the, bow down to the king. Yeah. Like, those are the takeaways from this, from those two songs, whereas this, I can feel I could take it as a song rather than those snippets, and I can understand why people like the other songs better, because it works better for, like, in a wrestling setting. So, uh, I guess that leaves us with one more to cook at then. As you mentioned, King of Kings, 2006. So, what's going on with Triple H at at this time. He's the king of kings, Matt. <laughs> he was the cerebral assassin. He was the game, then he was the cerebral assassin. Now he's the king of kings. So this is his Conan the Barbarian phase. Ah, right. I, rem- I remember the cerebral assassin phase where he had the uh, the theme song 
what sounded like a modem being viciously beaten. <laughs> I got it. Check, check. Is this on? <laughs> yeah. This is the 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 Skull King, as they uh, they refer to him. If you uh, do a quick Google of this song, you'll see the the imagery. So I take it he's still heel at this time because he's he's wearing skulls now. <laughs> yeah. This was like when he was in the Authority, or it was part of the Authority. So he married to Stephanie. I don't know. I I was not paying much attention at this point. I was watching, but I was not impressed. <laughs> does he still use this? I know he hasn't wrestled for a year or two, but does he still use this now? He uses the the game all the time. That that was the problem with the line in the sand. Like they only ever used it when they came out as the foursome or as a tag team. All the other times he was still using the game. King of Kings is like his WrestleMania intro. Uh, he must have used it on a few TVs, I guess. That's the thing with Triple H, though. Like, uh, he tried to use some Metallica stuff for one of his Mania entries, and they could only play it that one time. So unless you watched that WrestleMania live, you never heard it because they just dubbed it over with the, something else. What Metallica the song do they use? I'll yeah. have a look now. For whom the bell tolls. <laughs> it's just again not like I like Metallica. It's just not my favorite Metallica song. I don't know. But actually, I do. I do like it. But I just think. I prefer the the Cliff and Wall version, and that never gets played anywhere. I don't. I don't think uh, Paul Levesque, aka Triple H, is a guy who appreciates a good bass player. He's a he's a man who wants to li- listen to loud things where he lists heavier things. This is how all this got okayed, you know, because Vince McMahon's a a big ACDC fan. Apparently, it's the only music he ever listens to. <laughs> And like that sounds right. As a weird as that guy is, like he he doesn't understand that there's been new music. He just he thinks, oh, well, music's that stuff I listen to when I list heavy weights. What about standoff? What's standoff. Is it standoff? Oh, step back. Step, step back. back. Amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> weird guy. Let's shall we listen to this uh, King of Kings? Oh, I'm King of Kings then. Yeah, Behold the king. Oh, the, king. the king of kings. The king of that's pretty cool. On your knees, dog. It's not my favourite. Um, it's more interesting, again, than the game. But I don't think it's my favourite of the three. Like, I'd, as I say, over the years, I've kind of forgotten how this goes because all I can remember is the chorus, the hmm. bow down to the bow down to the king. The, the outro version of that chorus is fucking cool, though, right? Come on. Mm, yeah. With the, with the widdly widdly guitar over it? Yeah, yeah. 
It is, but that's that's generally not the bit you hear. <laughs> like yeah, that's if, true. You, if you're watching it, because <laughs> she's usually done by that point. Yeah. They don't give him four minutes to, to leave. But yeah, it's a hell of a lot better than I remember. Um, I, I like that there's a story in there as well, because the other songs are just like, just do it around a theme, mm-hmm. and that there's some sort of story in here. Well, from, from what I remember, like, the, the idea was this Skull King persona, they were going to spin off into, like, comic books and cartoons and stuff. Mm. So this was all part of, like, the lore that they were building for it, but I think they just bottled out at some points because it's a very gory character, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, are they are they getting away from from the sort of... Well, they must have been by this point to go back to being more family-friendly after the Attitude Era. Yeah, 2006, they're definitely looking toward marking towards children more. Yeah, so we're in Cena wins, lol, and... Yes. <laughs> Five moves Yeah, yeah. Um, I just well stopped by this point. I think I think X7 was kind of when I when I stopped. I, I can't remember any of the evolution stuff. Um, but yeah, it's better than I remember because, fe- again, it feels like a song because the game doesn't feel like a song. Lion in the Sand and King of Kings at least feel like their songs. This feels like more of like the experimental songs like Serial Killer or Orgasmatron or March or Die. It's kind of got that that thing in there where, yeah, let's try something a bit different. Let's not sing, but let's talk the chorus and tell a story there rather than sort of just put in lyrics that go with the melody. Yeah, it's it's okay. Again, not my favourite, but I do like it. I do think it's better than the game, which is what everyone remembers. Hmm. I, I can't really argue with any of the points you made there. You're you're hundred percent on the money, except the game is the best song. <laughs> the game is not the best song. <laughs> it is totally the best song in the world. Well, I don't think I don't think any of these would make it into my top five motorhead songs. No, I, I can't see making it into anyone's top five. To be fair. Like I don't know if you agree with this, but the best version of the game is not by Motorhead. Oh, are you talking about the uh, the drowning pool version? No, I'm talking about the Shatner version. <laughs> Have you heard the Shatner yeah, version? Yeah, I remember the Shatner version. That was great. <laughs> so William Shatner did like a spooky word clip version of it, but drowning pool. If you remember those guys from the early 2000s, they did a version of the game as well, which was. It like the lyrics were kind of the same, but they weren't, and the the melody was kind of the same, but it wasn't. It was really weird. Uh, it's a good. I have to good check that out. They're very much a band that's. They're like you've got two songs that you kind of if someone's making a wrestler highlights video, sure. you generally use "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor" or or is it "Trapped Headstrong"? <laughs> Headstrong, yeah. Uh, those are the three W. W.E. Uh, songs that you can now get on an LP, as I understand. I believe you can, but I had a quick look yesterday. I think you'd be lucky to get it at the minute because it has sold out very, very yeah, quickly. A lot of Motorhead fans and WWE fans. Yeah, if, you, if you're if lucky enough to get a copy or if um, or if you want to try seeking it out, I think it's the only place you can really get it through is the WWE shop because they, they control all that distribution, really, don't they? Yeah, very tightly. Yeah, but uh, if anyone you know, is, is is that into to the Motorhead WWE songs, it is available on, on that LP. Um, if you want to own those songs on, on vinyl, that isn't some sort of Russian bootleg that yeah. someone's printed. 
um, in the basement somewhere. If you want an actual official version, that's where you go and get it. And there's also uh, on the WE Network, there's the last, supposedly, the last ever interview with Lemmy done by anyone. Was he? Yeah, it was him and Triple H sitting in the rainbow with Corey Graves asking them questions. And it, it, Lemmy did not look good. He It was like... I think they said at the end of it he died like two weeks later or something like that. He just he looked like yeah. a very old sick man. It was sad to watch. Yeah, I mean probably one of the the later record. Pro- I think the latest recording would have been that we've actually been able to hear would have been the um the recording on Cascade into Chaos. The the paradise has turned into dust. And if you've seen the video, he does look he does look old. He seemed to age. A few decades in that that last year or two. Yeah, so fucking cancer and diabetes and everything. Any poor bastard. The decline was was really quick, wasn't it? <laughs> well, that's a downer. <laughs> yeah, we probably shouldn't leave it on that on that note. I'm trying to think of something more uplifting, but being in 2020, it's quite hard to do. So final thoughts on the Motorhead WWE experiments. Final thoughts on the Motorhead WWE experiment. It's it's sad that in the long run it didn't open the doors to more metal because WE being the corporate entity they are, they were like, well, we've got to stick with what sells. And, you know, mid-2000s, hip-hop was the thing. So now whenever they do WrestleMania, it's like Flow Rider or Machine Gun Kelly was in some episodes of Raw. Like, these people, I have no idea who they are. But the upside of that is now that Triple H has creative control in NXT, the like sister show, they have their own record label where they do sign like uh, metal bands and they promote them by using them to do That's highlight cool, videos cause... and stuff. And they they let them write some yeah, interesting music. I suppose one of the the frustrating things with with this it, it'll all come down to money, won't it? You can't license Metallica to or any band really. You can't license them to do. You know, public appearances or the, the band to do public appearances as well as you know, playing those songs publicly on a weekly, sometimes even twice weekly basis. Yeah, it's not it's not a viable business option. But and I was I didn't I know Triple H has done a lot of of stuff in NXT in terms of like promoting like and using that as his you know to develop this new talent. So it's good to see that. He's doing it for up and coming bands as well, and like involving sort of lots of, lots of different sort of artistic movements in it. It's like good on him. Well, yeah, well, you know, I've not seen those contracts, so I wouldn't go pat him on the back too hard. Like, but it's exposure at the end of the day, isn't it? It's yeah. I mean, as we've established just then, there is a big market. There's a big market in WWE, and people will buy stuff up from them for some reason. So you know, maybe one day who, the guys who do uh, fuck. Um, Tommy End. What's his name now? Alistair Black. Like he's got like a a cool entrance music done by some metal lad lads. Maybe someone will buy that on an album because of that. Who knows? I'm sure people will because I'm. I as we discussed at the start that um new people who who go on to motorhead gigs and were expecting the game and um a few of the songs like that to be played. Obviously, never happened, but they still went to the show. But yeah, if it's as long as the bands are being sort of paid something for the work and not just using it, this like exposure f- fucking 
Crocs, it's like, oh, it'll be good exposure for you. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but still give them something for like cost of recording and things like yeah. that. Exposure doesn't play for studio time. But yeah, it's to say if they're doing it like that, promoting upcoming bands, grace. But as I say, there's there's a way of doing it properly. But it's good to see that's happening on that level rather than just as you say, like just only going for right who's popular right now around summertime who we can get in for WrestleMania. Well anyway, that's a little episode there. Uh hope you enjoyed and hope you understand why we didn't do an album. We'll do some albums next year. We're getting close to the end of albums now, aren't we? We're not too far off. Oh they they start coming thick and fast now because this is this is really album tour, album tour, album tour, album tour. So we've got we've got some good ones coming up. But not next month. Next month's going to be another fun mini episode about some weird merch that you probably don't remember existing. And hopefully 2021 will be better to all of us. Yeah, he's looking forward to next year. <laughs> Can't come soon Can't enough. Can't come soon enough. Okay, that's the end. See you next time, everybody. And then it ends.